0: You know by now what we're preaching on. Please let me see it, just a couple of hands. Uh, there are those of you who know what we're preaching on. On Thursday, August fourteenth, two 2003, just before 4.10 p.m., a small software bug spread in an alarm system in one of the control rooms At the first energy building, which just happened to be in Ohio, it may have been Columbus, causing a local blackout there in town. Now this blackout could have just been contained to that region and in that area, but because there were a few individuals who were not fully aware of the situation, this small blackout spread to the eastern seaboard and and into parts of Canada. Now try and wrap your mind around this. In Ontario alone, 10 million people were without power. And in eight states of the United States, 45 million people were without power. It's back in 2003. Phone lines as well as cell phone towers were wiped out. Water systems had lost their pressure and... They had to boil water. There was a state of an emergency with the water system. It was a hot, muggy day. It was about 88 degrees that day, and people were not able to run their fans or their air conditioning units. Amtrak railroad lines were all shut down. Life came to a virtual standstill for millions of people as it took days to get the grid back up. We've all had those times when you go without Power. those power outages. We know how hard it can be. You go to grab something from your refrigerator and you realize you really shouldn't be doing that. Your stove, your microwave, those things can be of no effect. Eating becomes difficult. Getting ready to even go anywhere can be hard. Road travel is difficult as all the traffic lights are out. Crime escalates as looters fill the streets. Just think of how many areas in your life that are affected when you have no power. It affects every area of your life. Without power, life becomes a struggle. Church, if there is one thing, if I could capitulate in a way... uh, that which the Holy Spirit does for us is that He gives us power. Just think about it. Everything in your life that you want to do, especially spiritually speaking, takes power, doesn't it? It takes power. You want to fulfill the challenge of what we've been talking about, and, and God said, be ye holy as I am holy, It's going to take power to do it. Do you want to be as Jesus described us? Do we want to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ? It's going to take power. It's going to take a force beyond ourselves to do it. If we are to defeat the enemy of our souls, if we are going to defeat that which is within us, our flesh, that we have talked about, we will need power. And praise God, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit came to do. Jesus said in Acts 1, in those passages, and being being assembled together with them, Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Think about it. Is that not awesome? Yeah, you're going to say amen because the pastor just asked you a question and you have to give an answer. But think about it. Is that not awesome? That we have power? Not in and of ourselves. That's why the Holy Spirit came. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. I want us to look at something as well. We're just going to not really chase a rabbit here, but just want to make a point. Acts chapter 1, that, those verses that we just read, let's start with verse 5, but there's two verses I did not include on the screen, but I was reviewing this and this popped out at me. Start with verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, Jesus is saying, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Look at what the disciples said to him in verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you realize that Jesus was not really all that concerned about end times? There are thousands of preachers and televangelists today that are, I was going to say making a living, but that's between them and the Lord. But there are thousands of preachers and people who are emphasizing end times and, and um, trying to I think there are even uh, survival packs out there, the Left Behind series that are being preached out there. And there's millions and millions of dollars being spent on end times and trying to get prepared for what might happen. And that's a different message. But what Jesus is saying here is, look, don't worry about that. Get your hearts ready. You need to have power so that when your end time comes, you're ready to go. Amen? It's not about the end-time theology, and yes, we are Church of God, we are all millennials, but really, it doesn't really much matter if you're pre, off, post, or whatever. You better be ready. You need to have power so that when he does come back, you can say, here I am, God, without spot or wrinkle. Power, power, power. Wonder-working Power. In the blood of the Lamb. Amen, George. Let me remind you that you and I have no power in and of ourselves. We are made of flesh and blood. But Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Because our battle is that of the supernatural. We need a supernatural power. Oh, God help us. God help us. In order to illustrate this, and man, the, the, uh, the, the, the number of directions that we could go with this topic are, are endless. But there is, there is one figure that I really keep going back to. So I, this morning I want us to look at Peter. I want us to take a look at the life of Peter to illustrate this point. Peter has been known for being many things, but a lot of what he's known for is kind of being a tough guy, kind of being a strong-willed, um, Jesus called him the rock. Now, here's just another little side bit here. Um, there, are, our, our Roman Catholic friends believe that Jesus called him uh, Petra, meaning big rock. Which then he said, "Upon this rock I will build my church," and that's how they based the church. But if really, if you look at the translation, Jesus did not call him capital R rock. He called him little rock. Not that which another church can be started on. But that's you can research that on his own. But Peter was the rock. Many things Peter was. But to illustrate my point today, I, I kind of want to go down. Have you uh I'm you're going to be dating yourselves when, if you answer this. How many of you remember that show, This Is Your Life, from years ago? Remember that show, This Is Your Life? Yeah. Okay. We're going to kind of look a little bit at Peter's life. Peter, this is your life. And I want to see just how strong Peter really was. You don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 14, we see where Peter is walking on the water. Now, look, we have to give him some credit right away because he's the only one that got out of the boat. So give him credit with that. However, Peter's faith quickly left him and he had no power to sustain the faith needed to stay on top. If We go to Matthew 16. The scene opens with one of Peter's more accomplished moments. I believe they're on the beach. And Jesus looks at them and he said, Who do people say that I am? And the disciples responded back and they said, well, some think you're Elijah, some think you're a prophet, some think you're this, some think you're that. And then Jesus turns the tables on them a little bit and he gets real personal. Jesus can get real personal with us sometimes, can't he? And he turned it on them. He said, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, one of his highlighted moments, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Spirit of God. That was a great moment for Peter. With all his heart, he knew, he believed. Now, this is a key point. He knew, he believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. But just as soon as Peter is receiving accolades from his fellow companions, he stumbles yet again. For you see, in this setting, Jesus tells them about what is getting ready to happen to him. They're going to arrest him. They're going to beat him. They're going to crucify him. They're going to put him to death. He says, right after this, if you look at the Scriptures. And this rash Peter begins... Hard to believe. He begins rebuking Jesus. For which Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You see, Peter's mouth got him in trouble again. And his lack of self-control led to his acting and speaking impulsively. Without a show of hands, how many of us can say that our mouths have gotten us into trouble at different times? Amen? Amen. Amen or ouch? Amen or ouch? If We look at Matthew 16 or John 13. We go to the famous scene of the Passover, the Last Supper. Jesus gets up and He begins to go around and He washes, He begins to wash feet. He gets to Peter and Peter said, Lord, You will never wash my feet. Showing a prideful spirit, an inability to humble Himself. Again, in that setting, Jesus reminds them about what is getting ready to happen to him. His impending death. And Peter, albeit good intentions, proclaims, you may know the story, proclaims he will never leave Jesus nor forsake him. And after Jesus tells Peter that he will... Deny him three times for the rooster crows. Peter still insists never, Lord, even if I have to die with you, I will never leave you. Just a few hours after this, the hot headed Peter, I wonder if no I'm not gonna say that I was gonna say I wonder if he was a redhead. I don't know if he's a redhead, but the hot headed Peter he got out of control again, he slashes off the ear of Malchus the high priest servant. Do you see a pattern going here with Peter? After Jesus is arrested, the twelve scatter. I believe right there at first, even Peter scattered as well. And they're taking off in all kinds of different directions. But I can just see Peter as he stops somewhere around the Mount of Olives. And he says to himself, what am I doing? I told Jesus that I would die with him. And to his credit, he turns and he follows Jesus. But the scriptures say that he followed at a safe distance. (laughs) Besides, he doesn't want to get too close. Because if he gets too close, they just might get him too. And as Peter is waiting in the little courtyard just outside the high priest's palace where Jesus is being interrogated, a cute little servant girl walked up to him. A little kid. Said, hey, weren't you with them? Weren't you with Jesus? And in an instant, this strong Confident, Peter, who turned around in the garden, came back to follow Jesus. And in an instant, he said, no, I've never known him. Not only did Peter deny knowing Jesus, Scripture tells us that he began cursing and swearing as he denied him a third time. And just then, the rooster crowed. And we're told that Peter left weeping bitterly. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the rock, Peter. At many times, kind of a weak, powerless man. (laughs) And I ask you this morning, how many times have you found yourself where Peter was? Perhaps feeling frail, puny. Utterly defeated and discouraged after you did the very thing that you said you would never do again. Romans 7, Paul said, the very things that I want to do, I cannot do. And the very things that I do not want to do, that's what I end up doing. He said, who can save me, O wretched man that I am? I think we can all at times relate to Peter, can't we? Feeling weak? Feeling powerless? Do you find that you have no power at times in your life to overcome? Folks, listen to me. We're still on the topic of that which dwells within the Holy Spirit. Mm. We can all relate to Peter, can't we? We don't want to... We don't want to condemn him too fast because how many times have we failed? But I want to fast forward just a few weeks now into the storyline. Fast forward with me a few weeks. Jesus has been crucified. He's now risen from the dead, and it's been a couple of weeks after he has risen. Jesus has met with them several times, met with over 500 people as well. And the disciples, along with many others, I can just see that they're they're hunkered down in some little small room in maybe a second-level building. This is taking place in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is once again all abuzz with thousands of Jews who have come back into the city as they are celebrating the Feast of Weeks. If you remember, that was the first or second message in this series. They were all there you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 2. Acts 2, you're probably already there. Acts 2, and let's follow this story. Acts chapter 2, these first few verses will not be on the screen. You can just listen if you don't have your word. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now some of you right now might be thinking, please, pastor, say something about that uncomfortable word. Say something about that topic of tongues. I will probably preach a message on this sometime, but let me just say this. The translation is a known language. Okay? Okay? A known language. And you'll see that in a second. But just the mere reading of this story tells us of the power that was there. Think about the power that came into that upper room that moment. Verse 2, when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. I don't know what it was like. Has anybody ever been, I I think my in-laws and Steph and them, have any of you ever been in a tornado? Anybody ever been in a tornado? Okay, two, three, four of you. Okay. All the accounts that we read and that we hear on TV is the sound, right? The sound right before it hits is almost like a uh, freight train coming through or or whatnot. It's just a terrifying sound. What I love about this story is it doesn't say there was a sound and the wind came in. No, it was just the sound. Now, why is that important? I believe because if they heard the wind, and if the wind came in and it was blowing their hats or their hair or blowing things off tables, then they could have easily explained it as just a storm that was blowing through Jerusalem. But no, there was no movement. It was just the sound. It very well could have been something like a tornado. I don't know what it was, but it was powerful. Something powerful had entered that Room to where they heard it, and then they saw uh, divided tongues as of fire rushing upon each of them. Powerful things were taking place. Let's go on and read verse 5 with me. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Here's that known language comes in. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own Language. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Parthia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, Adjoining Cyrene, visitors from both Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said they are just full of wine. What a sight. What an experience. What a sight. But now I want to turn our attention back to Peter. Follow me with this. Our last visit with Peter was he was broken, having had no power to do that which he knew he needed to do. Now let's read. Verse 14, Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Let's skip down to verse 22. And he continued to say, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out. When Jesus was betrayed, with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Somebody say amen there. Let's skip now down to verse 36. Verse 36. Peter continues to say, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God who, excuse me, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. By the way, that's those of you sitting in here this morning right now. Peter was talking to you and us. Verse 40, Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 and all. One of the things that I want to say is, okay, who is this man and what have you done with Peter? (laughs) I'll tell you what happened. The Holy Spirit came and got a hold of Peter. That's what happened to Peter. Gone is the weak and timid Peter. Do you see the transformation of what just took place? All of a sudden we see a man who is filled with power and boldness. Where we once saw a puny, pathetic, fearful man, we now see a man full of power, strength, and speaking boldly. Goodness gracious, look what uh, that one verse said there. Right in the middle. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. You have taken lawless hands. You whom have who have crucified Jesus. You see, Peter used to walk away. He used to run away from people like this. People that threatened his life, he ran away. But now he's practically running towards them, speaking words of condemnation directly to them. Something happened that day that changed him. Something was the Holy Spirit. And I ask you this morning, what changed Peter? Not just Peter, but what changed the apostles? What changed the disciples? These men who once fled like scared rabbits, they went on to live and they all died martyrs' deaths, except for one, John. What changed? What happened? Some of you might say, well, it was the resurrection. They saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yes, I believe that was part of it. But I declare to you today that it was the effects of what took place in the upper room. They were all set ablaze. They became men of great authority. They became powerful, not in and by themselves, but through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, were they perfect? No. But I man, if you read through the entire book of Acts, it's story after story after story of the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, amen. Church. Believer, if I could jump and get your attention and make you understand, this is who we were meant to be. This is what we are meant to be. We are soldiers in God's army, not some weak, pathetic people that are always being defeated. We have the authority. We have the power. We have the power. Remember the old song we used to sing? In the name of Jesus. We have the power. In the name of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, amen yeah Yeah. Mm. I'm going to try and wrap this up quickly power how is this power expressed in our lives how is it expressed in our daily lives I told you about a book that brother Bill Constantopoulos wrote on the subject and he brings out some good points in just four quick points the first is the power of the Holy Spirit will unite us with other Christians everywhere. The power of the Holy Spirit will unite us with other Christians everywhere. Scott and Deanna will be here in September. Whether it's uniting us with believers in Tanzania, whether it is uniting us with believers in Dilkon, whom they are moving on the bathhouse, I just saw, <laughs> praise God whether it be uniting us with believers in Dover, New Philly, or in Sugar Creek, or uniting us with each other in the Bars Mill Church of God. We can have the power to transcend the differences of creed, race, social status, and ethnicity. Now listen to this next, this next point. Any and all tensions, tensions within the body of Christ, can be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit because He changes our hearts and alters our behaviors. That's big. That's big for where we live. That's big because we're a family. And families sometimes irritate each other, and families sometimes get on each other's nerves. I've said this before. Families sometimes offend each other. Any and all tensions within the body of Christ can be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit because He changes our hearts and alters our behavior. Did you, did you hear that I said it's not in and of ourselves, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit? Mm. Yeah. Whatever tension might be taking place within churches whatever tension that might exist in your life you ultimately cannot get over it unless you have the power of the holy spirit simple you can continue all you want to walk around that person in church and avoid that person and just act like everything's okay that that's that's not the way of the holy spirit That's not what God wants us to do as a body of believers. The power, so you can't do it yourself? The power, you ask, God, give me power, help me deal with this situation, God. Praise God. Number two, the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the power to resist temptation. Amen. Gives us the power to resist temptation. Notice I did not say, or it does not say, the power of the Holy Spirit removes temptation from our life. That only comes when we get to heaven. What today, that will be. However, the power of temptation lies in the desires of our heart and in the lust of our flesh. When the Holy Spirit transforms us, our temptation, good point, when the Holy Spirit transforms us, our temptations no longer come from within, but from without. Praise God. Praise God. All of us face temptations. We need the power to help us. Number three, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to change, ouch, to change our dispositions and our attitudes towards God, other people, and circumstances in life. The Holy Spirit gives the power to change our dispositions and our attitudes toward God, other people, and circumstances in life the Holy Spirit is able to empower you to be a person of peace, joy, and hope. Look, whatever is in your life right now that is causing turmoil, that is causing you to have a bad attitude about something, that is causing you to always be negative about something, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a a situation at your work, at your job, maybe it's something at home, maybe there's something you've been mad at God about. I don't know. You need help. You need power to deal with that. You you were not made to just go day after day of being negative and critical. I'm not meant to live like that. Now listen, I'm just like you. I get in bad attitudes just like you sometimes. Right, Steph? Right. That wasn't funny, by the way. No, just kidding. I need help. This week of preparation has really honed into my heart. Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me. I need you to fill me with power to behave the way that I need to behave, to treat my wife the way that I need to treat her, to treat my kids the way I need to treat them, to treat you all the way I need to treat you and the way you need to treat me. The Holy Spirit can give us power to do that. Whatever your Situation in life that you're struggling with. He has the power to help you. And lastly. This great power is given as a witness. And for service. It's given as a witness. And for service. Acts 4.33. The apostles testified powerfully. They testified powerfully. To the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. And God's blessing, great blessing, was upon them all in a popular passage, Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work where? Within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What are you struggling with this morning in your life? Is there something that keeps nagging you? Something that keeps popping up and defeats you? Listen, I'm here to remind you of two things. Satan will not stop at all. He will not stop, church. He will continue to come at you and come at you and come at you. You know those pesky flies that sometimes when you're walking down the road or you're jogging and all of a sudden they start hitting you in the head and you're going like this, get away from me, and you think they're gone and about a minute later, there they are again. They're back hitting you in the head again. That's what flies do. That's what the evil one will do to you. Heads up, he's coming after you again and again. And just whenever you think you've defeated him and you've kicked him out in a week or two, he may come back again. That's the bad news. The good news is you have the power to overcome the enemy. It says to resist the devil and he will flee. But listen, you cannot do that in and of yourselves. It's not about good intentions. Peter had all the good intentions in the world, but he lacked the power. We need that difference maker in our life. You want victory over your temper? Hmm. Getting quiet? A temper that keeps causing you to do and say things not of Jesus? Do you want to be free from destructive habits and addictions? Are you tired of not having enough patience and you're flying off at the handle? Do you want the power to speak to your neighbor, your friend, your family member? Are you avoiding someone in your life here at church or outside the church? Are you fearful of the outcome and it keeps you from acting in obedience to God? Or it very well could be that God has already pinpointed something in your life. As as soon as I started talking about this topic, there was something that came up. God brought it up in your life and you, you know to yourself, this is it. I have struggled and struggled and struggled with this. And you're tired. I'm telling you, don't have to live like that. You don't have to live like that. For there is power in the Holy Spirit to help you. Daily. It's not a one-time thing. You will have to die daily to yourself. But there is power in the Holy Spirit for any and every area of your life. I end with this story. There was a missionary... who was in some third world country and, um, transportation was very difficult, but God had blessed him and, and the mission there with a car, an old used car, but, um, had a very difficult time in starting the car. And, uh, um, but once you got it started, it would run. But if you would shut it off, man, it, it would. Uh, you, you, you. They had to put it on a hill to where you could, remember you do, you do the clutch thing, and you had to pop it and get it to go. That's the way this car was, and and um, so getting it started was very difficult. And so this missionary came up with a plan. He thought was a very ingenious plan, and he thought everywhere, every time he goes somewhere, he was just going to go there and just leave the car running, <laughs> or make sure he parked on top of a hill so that if he had to jumpstart it, he could do that. He did this for two years. Two years he lived like this, and things were going well. And Then he found himself needing to leave the mission field at that time or that area, and a new missionary came to take his spot. And the missionary thought he better explain to the new guy, hey, i got to tell you about this car, and this is what you got to do, and Blah, 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 blah. And uh, as he is explaining this to the new missionary, this new missionary pops open the hood. And he's looking inside and he's twisting this and checking that. And in the middle of his explanation, the new guy said, you know, I think this is your problem right here. There's just a loose cable. And so he reconnected it and the new guy hopped behind the wheel and it fired right up. What's my point? For two years, needless trouble had become routine for this missionary. You see, the power was there all the time. Only a loose connection kept the missionary from putting the power to work. I'm here to tell someone this morning, the power is there for you all along. You just need to plug into the Holy Spirit. Does someone this morning need an upper room experience? Mandy, singers, if you'll come up. Uh, I believe it may have been Bill Gaither years ago. Some of you may be able to tell me this. I believe Bill Gaither years ago wrote a song called, Have You Had Your Gethsemane? Does that sound familiar? Have you had your Gethsemane? Obviously, referring to the experience of Jesus in the garden when, when, when Jesus was wrestling. Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will be done, but thy will be done. Jesus had his Gethsemane. There will be different Gethsemanes in our life, there will be different times of consecration, different time. there will be different upper room experiences. Actually, your Gethsemane can turn into an upper room experience to where God is going to ask you to die to something. Give me this. Let me take it. Let me fill you with power to overcome this. Would you stand, please? I Thank you for your patience. What page is that, Mandy? Page 483. Page 483. We're going to sing this. There is four verses. I don't know how God is dealing with you. I know the hour is getting late, but let's not worry about that. Don't allow the evil one to make that something in your life. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, Lord, I thank you for the the message of power in you, Holy Spirit, that we can have. Lord, I believe there's at least a few, if not many, this morning that need your power over something in their life. Lord, I pray that they'll come this morning. It's a matter of dying to ourselves. It's a matter of consecrating ourselves. It's a matter, Lord, that we just come to you and say, God, I can't take it anymore. I die to this. God, would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me of this? Holy Spirit, would you fill me with your power? God, you know that's all that it is, is that we just die to ourselves and we ask for you, Holy Spirit, to fill us. Give us that power to be victorious in our life so that we can be witnesses for you, Father. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that that needs that power, Lord, it just might be just a simple thing. It just might be one thing. Maybe there's something coming up in their life this week they need power to get through. God, I pray that they'll come to you this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to us. May we be obedient to you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.